this chapter we are focusing on in I Am a Church Member book deals with I will lead my family to be healthy church members. A focal text in the book comes from Ephesians 6 chapter, excuse me, starting at Ephesians 5 chapter, going to the, the 6th chapter, giving when Paul talks to them about husbands and wise relationship. He concludes that in that 5th chapter saying, this is a mystery. And he says he's talking about the church. Something is a mystery how to stay married, but no, he was talking about the church. He was highlighting how the husband ought to love the wife is symbolic of how Christ, the husband, loves his bride, the church. I said, should. And then he did not stop there. He went on to talk about how children ought to honor their mother and father. And then he went on to encouraging the fathers primarily because as times have shifted, uh, at that time it was the father who was in charge of the rearing and caring and upbringing of the children. Y'all quiet on me. But in that time it was the father who was responsible in the rearing and upbringing of the children. Y'all still quiet on me. I'll just go back to Genesis and you can see who did Joseph report to. It wasn't his mom. It was his dad. Go see what the boys are doing. Make sure they're doing right. It was the father who they wanted a blessing from. It was the father that said the purpose. So in this time, but now we're in the stage now as a, the, 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 the song was that how mama had me on drugs. And he said, Mama drug me to church. She drug me to Sunday school. Y'all haven't heard that song. And he's pointing out that how it was the mother who was responsible of him knowing Christ because she drug him to church. Highlighting, as we talked about in Sunday school, that we have reversed the roles. Oftentimes it's the mother, but sometimes we reverse the roles even more so that the children tell the mother where they're not going to go. I'm not going to church. And tell you the truth, they tell you they're not going to school. But we see here that the responsibility within the household begins with the head of the household. Think about how we like to be head of the household when it's time to file our taxes. You won't be head of the household then because you want all the money coming to you. I'm the head of the house. That's right. I pay the bills here. Well, if we want to be the head of the household, we need to take on the responsibility of the head of the household. I will lead my family to be healthy church members. And I highlight it when you look at Ephesians 5th chapter to the 6th chapter. He's dealing with the relationship. I want to try to do a, a summary, if you will, a, a totality of this, if you will, not to break down individually of husband and wives and, and, and children and, and parents. If you need some assistance on that, we did a, a message on that sometime last year called House Rules. Go look it up online. You can go get it. You can find it. We talk about the house structure. But today I want to talk talk about how together we worship our God. Together. Think about that word together. 
We get excited when things are done together. The song says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. I was glad when they said. You see, it, it wasn't by myself. I was glad when they said. I, I was glad to be invited. I was glad to come with others to magnify the Lord. So in Hebrews 10 chapter, we find the writer encouraging them to come boldly into the house of the Lord. And, and as a coming boldly, he says the reason why we come boldly because someone made it possible for us to come boldly. Anybody here ever gone to a party where it was invite only? And if it was invite only, no matter if you, they knew you, you still needed the invitation to get in. And you were waving at people say, you know me, they, yeah, they do know you, but you can't get in without the invitation. And you understand, once you get that invitation, you got all access to the party. Oh, it's good when you get in, right? You get to eat what you want, drink what you want, do what you want inside that party. What I want to highlight here, that our high priest, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, gave us an invitation. And this invitation was us to come into our Father's house to get what we want. All glory. And, and the beautiful thing is that when you go to a party, they put out the things that they think that you should like and enjoy yourself at the party. They got a chocolate fountain. They got a white chocolate fountain. They got a cheese fondue place. They'll have little hors d'oeuvres. They have whatever it is. They'll, they'll tell you what kind of party is so you know what kind of party to become too. Our Lord has let us know how he has set this place up for it to be a place of love, a place of mercy, a place that we encourage one another and lift up one another. So this should be the place that we want to come. And when we come, we should be expecting to receive that one from another. So we boldly come. And this boldness, this boldness comes, one thing it comes because we don't have to come with guilt and we don't have to come with shame. Think about how. If you had to come and every time you came, you feel bad about yourself, how often would you come? Think about how some people, you, you may not know these people, but there are some people out there that just can't go back home. And they can't go back home, not oftentimes it's because of the parents, but it's because of themselves. They have so much shame, so much guilt that they don't feel comfortable going back home to show their face to hear somebody say what a disappointment they are. And that may not be the fact for some of them. They just think that so badly about themselves that they just can't boldly come back home. But the Bible says that we can come and our conscience is clear. Why is it clear? Because we've been washed by the blood of Jesus. Then it goes on saying that we've been purified, clean with water, symbolizing the Holy Spirit that he has given us. Boldly come, boldly come, boldly come. Then I want to highlight what it says is how we should come. It says we should come stimulating one another, encouraging one another. The church should be the place that has uplift and not a place of gossip and backbiting. The church should be the place that you leave feeling better about yourself, not leave feeling worse about yourself. 
The church is the place that you come with anticipation that together you are going to learn about our awesome God, encourage one another. Sometimes we may cry, sometimes we may rejoice, but at the bottom of it all, we are giving glory to our God. And so with that in mind, who is it that should be setting the pace? Well, look at it. It should be us. Some, some, some may be single, some may be married, some may be widowed, some may be divorced, but either way, you can set the example of how to boldly come into the house of God. Lead boldly, because what Christ has done for us. Christ died on the cross for our sins and removing all stain from us and making us clean in the presence of God so that we can come now with a clear conscience, knowing that our God is faithful to his promise. So we lead motivating in love, in good works, and encouraging while we meet together. We lead because God has led us. In Deuteronomy 6, uh, chapter, verse 4 through 9, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Mm. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. Watch out. When you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. Can anybody catch on what God was letting them know? He's basically, surround yourself with the word. Talk about the word. Put it in the children. Put it in your heart. Set the example where in your home. We have many homes that have uh, love, life, and live, you know, all those things, and peace, love, and happiness, all those other things. And, and sometimes we got in, God bless this house, we come in. But how oftentimes is Scripture used within the house, spread around the house? Think about how you see this, this Scripture in your bathroom that says, Husband, Love your wives. Some husbands say, I'm not going to have that in my bathroom. Because so enough, they tell the truth. They probably woke up mad that day. And don't want to pray for the wife. But the scripture is going to convict you. Say, you know what? You're right. I got to do what the word says. Or you go into the kitchen and the word of God says, children, obey your parents. It'd be amazing. Probably that sign gets broken every day. I don't know what happened, mama. But imagine scriptures being around, being oppressed and taught. It says for them to speak about it, talk about it. When they rise up and when they lay down, it says that we should have this in our hearts and press upon us. And think about how when we bring our children together to worship, that's kind of the principle behind how our Christian education department decided that our children and our adults will be doing the same lesson. So they can talk about the same thing and see how they're learning together how to be church members. So no longer that the child and the mother are going to have to ask each other, what did you learn today? They can share what they learned today because they're studying together what it means to be a good, healthy church member. 
The family is the place that we first start discipleship. We can't say that it's the pastor's and the deacon's responsibility when we're not going to bother to teach them at home. Same is true at school. If they don't do their homework, how are they going to pass? You going to blame the teacher for your child not doing the homework? That's your responsibility. Y'all quiet them. That's all right. It's your responsibility as a parent to instill upon them discipline. Y'all see that word? Discipline so they understand. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I had to spend some time. This is not in my notes. But parents need to st- stop being scared of their children. Make it clear to your child, I'm the parent, you the child. Make it clear to them, I may be your best friend, but you're not mine. Make it clear to them, because there's some things as a best friend, I can't talk to you about. But you can come talk to me, baby. I'll be your best friend. I, I can keep your secrets. I'll pray for you. I'll look out for you, but you don't know what my be. You need to know my stress and my job. You don't even know what I think about my boss. That's not for you to know. We need to set the example for them so they understand mature relationships and how to respect. But when the child has no respect for the parent, they're not going to respect anybody else. And so when we understand that we are setting the discipline, we are setting the standard within our household, it's only going to be built upon that as they go out the house. Let me help, let me help you out. In a center is your home. Outside of your home is your neighborhood. Outside of your neighborhood is who they have inter- interaction with, such as their schools or social organizations. Then outside of that circle is the city. And every time they go out your house, they pass through those areas and they come back through those areas and bring it all back into the house. But if the house has not set a structure and a standard, what's okay in the streets is going to be okay in the house. What's okay in the schools is going to be okay in the house. We got to set a standard so what's okay in the school is okay now, but what's okay in the streets is not okay in the house. We got to set the discipline because they're looking out in the world and looking into the world and saying, the world looks good. We got to let them know that everything that glitters is not gold. We need to point out that we serve an awesome God who's worthy of the sacrifices of praises. That we ought to realize that maybe Sunday we might been tired, but we're going to give our best to the Lord. Or on Wednesday night, we will go to study the word of God together as a family. It's amazing how we can make excuses of not assembling together. We can go together to the movies, sit down for two hours. In a dark theater, not say a word to anybody, and walk out and say, did we have a good time? But can't come for an hour at a church service, at a Bible study, at a prayer meeting, where you can't talk to one another. And check this out, and talk with each other about your God and to your God. And have transformation happen in your life. See a broken heart become healed. A troubled mind get fixed. See somebody being healed in the presence of God. But we don't have time for that. But that new movie come out, we go, we'll, we'll stay up for midnight. Wait in the line to go see that new movie. We'll wait in line for that new book coming out. That's my baby's favorite book. We go, we dressed up like the characters and we waited to get the book. 
you can dress up to go get a book. Somebody invites you to church. I don't have clothes. How is it that we have allowed society to tell us what's important and make God less important? For forsake not the assembly together, such as some have made the practice of, but we should come to stimulate and encourage one another. Think about how you push yourself to go to work. And think about this principle. Think about this principle how a child watches a mother and a father daily get up and go to work knowing their mother and father are tired. Knowing their mother and father have been sick or been ill. And yet they see them consistently go to work and come home and take care of them. They're learning something from this example. What I'm trying to highlight that children are paying attention more to what you do than what you say. Actions do speak louder than words. And so if we're going to lead them to worship God, then they need to see us to make that sacrifice to go to worship, to go to prayer meeting, to pray with them together at the, at the kitchen table. Here's one thing. You may not have to hold a prayer meeting every night at 6 p.m. Say, church, uh, family, we're going to have church in the family room tonight at 6 p.m. Just try to pray when y'all have dinner. It's amazing how you can say, you know what, dinner time is family time. No TVs, no cell phones, sit down, talk to one another. And before we break this bread, let us talk to our God and bless one another. Or you say, well, we don't, we don't, we're so busy we can't get together around the, the dinner table. Well, you all sleep. Y'all quiet on me. If y'all not sleeping, we're going to stop and have prayer right now. But you sleep, so pray with your child. If you can't all go to bed at the same time before they go to sleep. Teach them how to pray. Teach them a prayer. Maybe lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord my soul to keep. Or maybe they might learn the 23rd number song. Or maybe they may learn to say, our Father who art in heaven. Or maybe they may simply say, dear Lord, bless me, good night. Or they may say, thank you for my mommy, thank you for my daddy, thank you God, amen. Whatever you're teaching to understand how to pray to God. Don't need to know any big vocabulary words. Don't need to make a theological statement in your, in your prayer. You need to say, God, I just thank you for my baby. Sometimes you can just pray, God, they had a bad day at school. God, I pray for their heart, I pray for their tears, I pray they'd be okay in front of the child. And they understand that I don't need to be mad or be angry, but I need to pray for my teacher too. Because they're looking at us as we're coming to worship. Look what happens. It says we ought to love one another. Encourage one another. Why? Based on what Christ has done. Look what Christ has done for us. He loved us so much. While we were yet sinners, he did what? He died for us. Romans 5 and it says, God demonstrated his own love for us in this while we were still sinners. He died for us. Tell your neighbor, we need to love like Christ. Because when we love like Christ, then we will love God and we will love his church. We are familiar with that great, that great revelation, right? And revelation talks about how you left your first love. We need to think of the church as our first love. Mm, mm, mm. Think about when you think about your first love, how you have memories. You want to look at old pictures. If you got some videotapes, you want to put them as a videotapes. I'm talking to y'all. Videotapes. 
want to put them in. Y'all with me? Oh, we did do that. Oh, that was on vacation. Oh, this was our anniversary. See, I, I put in DVD in. And, 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 and so we want to think about those good times. That's all we ought to do about our first love of the church. We ought to think about the good times and look forward to the good times ahead. We need to realize that, yes, as I love my first love, I realize my first love is not perfect. The church is not perfect. But I love them anyway. That means I can put up with some troubles. I can put up with some bumpy roads. I can put up with some issues. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Another one that gave to me. Think about it. You bought you a brand new car. Bought you a brand new car. Think about how when you get you a brand new car, you think it's going to drive better than your old car. You still hit the potholes just the same. But what you think that, oh, this is a lot smoother than the other car. Because <laughs> you overlook it because it's a new car. You overlook it because you're like, I love this car. It's all right. I can deal with these bumps in the road because it's a new car. Same thing when you think about our first love. We say, I can deal with these bumps in the roads. I can deal because what we find out is this, that I, I, can, I can control the car, but I can't control what the car goes over. So we know one thing, this, that, yet we know who's in control. We can go to our God. And as a church, as we, will, we, will, we will face some trials and some tribulations, but yet we know together we can make it through. And so when we come together, we love the church as we love our God. He is our first love. We want to fall in love with him. When we fall in love, think about when you fall in love with somebody, you start doing stuff you never thought you would do. Some start washing dishes just to go out on date. And they would wash the dirty dishes and tell you, this boy came into your life, or this girl came into your life. I, I clean the dishes, mom. I clean the dishes, dad. Can I go? Cut, cut the lawn, trim the hedges. Did all kind of work around the house just to get out. It's amazing what we do when we love somebody. We'll do anything to be with them. Yet, think about it. I say I love the Lord, but yet... I have so much conflict in my schedule that hinders me from meeting with him, that hinders me from coming to be with him. It hinders me from being with my fellow brothers, sisters in Christ. Think about Jesus. Did anything stop him from being with us? They tried to kill him. He still came into Jerusalem. They plotted against him. He still goes and teaches in the temple. They tell him that, who are you and how dare you do such a thing? Stretch out your arm and be healed. Get up and you shall walk. The blind shall see sight. We raised them up from the dead. He did all the things that he, they told him that he should not do, but he did them anyway because he loves us. So we choose to stimulate one another with that same kind of love and encourage one another. Because how much Christ has loved us. Because of this great love of Christ. Just think about this great love of Christ. It says that we are now cleansed. We have been washed. And, and, and because we have been cleansed and because we have been washed, we can boldly come before him. And we can boldly come before him expecting, expecting, expecting God to be faithful to his promise. I want us to close about why we lead our family this, that there's promises in the Bible. The, there's some promises in the Bible that tells us it tells us, it tells us this, that he is able to save. His mercy is everlasting. His love is everlasting. 
These are the promises I want to highlight. More, more than what people in the promise, how you'll forever be wealthy, you'll never get sick. Here's a promise I want you to understand here. This, the promise of salvation. Think about the security of knowing that your children know the Lord. Think about how if something comes of them, you don't have to worry about where they're going. You have to worry about only if I took them to church. If only I prayed with them more. If only I read the Bible to them more. You won't have to have those kind of regrets. You'll be able to say, I missed them, but I know they're home with the Lord. And you'll be able to rest a lot easier that way. You won't wake up crying, weeping, and not wondering where they have gone. But you'll be able to say, Lord, I thank you for saving my child. Thank you for saving my spouse. You'll be excited about that because there's a peace that comes from that. And so this promise that he gives all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that's why we can boldly come before the Lord. Because think about it, how, how we hear comedians and other people talk about, oh, they need Jesus. And make a big laugh about that when somebody acts a fool with that scripture. Oh, they need Jesus. No, we all need him. Jesus is for everybody. This is why we were yet sinners. He died for us. While we were still enemies of the cross, he died for us. And when he died for us, he set us free. So think about it now. We've been set free. So no longer do I need to come to this place of worship with my head bowed down in defeat, but with my head lifted up. And my head is lifted up because he is lifted up. And he is seated at the right hand of the Father. And you know what he's doing, sitting at the right hand of the Father? The Bible tells in the Hebrews that he's interceding on our behalf. Oh, I'm so glad that he's interceding on our behalf. And since he's interceding on our behalf, how dare we not lift up his holy name and bless him? How dare we not come because he has broke us free that we can boldly come. Uh, can I help you out and let you know that there's been some churches that the priest, all he did, had his back to the people while he was talking to God because he was acting as if he was the conduit from you to him, to God. But God has set us free and let us know we can go right to him. So when we bring our family in, we can say, let us come to God and pray for our church. Pray to him. Lift up one another and realize that it is together we can do some awesome things. For the church is the body of Christ and he is the head. We are many members, yet we are one. Therefore, if one is suffering, we're all suffering. If one rejoice, we all rejoice because we need each other. So therefore, I won't talk about my church members behind their back and talk about them and, and say hurtful things about them. No, I will pray for them. I will pray with them. I will lead them and guide my family how to do the same. Because I'm going to lead my family to be a healthy church member. And think about what it means to be healthy. It means not to be sick. And so in order for us to be healthy, we have to do some things. We have to eat healthy. We have to exercise. We got to watch how we spend our resting periods. So we need an adequate rest. We need a good diet. And we need to exercise. We need his word. We need to rest in him. And we need to continue to rely on him. This is a healthy recipe to lead our family. Let's pray, Lord, we come. We come, O oh God, designed to lead ourselves as we lead our family.
to be healthy church members. That when we come, we come to encourage each other with love and good work and stimulating one another. Father, forgive us for times that we have allowed our schedule and the business of our life to hinder us from spending quality time with you. Father, we pray that we will reorganize our schedule right now. Show us how we can make the quality time with you, God. Let go what needs to be let go of so that we spend quality time with our brothers and sisters in Christ and with our family so that more collectively we worship you in spirit and in truth. Lord, there might be someone here looking for a church home. Father, we pray that you show them where they need to be. And rather be this place of fellowship, Lord, may we be good examples of how to be good disciples. Father, minister to us as we can minister to them. Father, Lord, we thank you for all that you have done in our lives. And may we give you all the glory and all the praise by how we honor you, by how we live. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen.